God, uh, for this day, for this time together, we give you thanks. And Lord, for this time uh, to be in your word, to hear your word, God, I pray that our hearts would be open to receive it. And God, I pray that uh, the words of my mouth today and the, and the meditations of our hearts, God, would be pleasing to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have been, I've been in, in full-time ministry for a little over 30 years, and in that time, as you can imagine, I've seen lots of changes, changes in the world, changes um, in the culture, and changes in the church. For the last uh, 30 to 40 years, the church in the U.S. has seen a dramatic uh, decline, a dramatic exodus, really, from the church. In fact, maybe it's even been longer than that, maybe as long as a half century that that decline began, but um, it... Uh, it really has shaped uh, the way things are these days, and the world looks very different. The church looks very different than it did when I began my ministry. In fact, that decline, that exodus from the church uh, has taken on an even steeper slope, if you will, in recent years, and in the last 20 months, uh, the church across the board in the U.S. has seen a 14% decline in attendance since the uh, 2016 election. Across the board, all denominations uh, seeing about a 14% decline in attendance. Whatever the factors uh, that have caused the decline of the church in America over the last half century, we now find ourselves, we now find ourselves on the mission field. Christianity is no longer the dominant force in the culture. Increasing numbers of people are identifying themselves as nuns. Uh, that means uh, people who uh, claim no religious affiliation. That number is growing exponentially. And we all have neighbors and friends and family members and classmates and work associates uh, who do not know Christ. And the shift that has happened in our society requires the church to shift as well. It can't be business as usual. And what we're doing isn't working anymore anyway, if we're honest. Increasingly, we must see ourselves as, and this is the shift that I'm suggesting today, increasingly, we have to see ourselves as missionaries who are now living on the mission field. You know, when I was young, when many of us were young, we sent missionaries to faraway places. So this is a paradigm shift. This is, this is a shift in even, uh, even in the way that we think of ourselves here now. We are missionaries on the mission field. And uh, that will require a shift in identity for many of us. As those who are on mission for Christ, we will need to adopt attitudes, behaviors, language, and the practices of a missionary in order to engage others with the gospel. Now, I don't, I don't exactly know what that's going to look like. You already heard Jake's example, meant going to China and playing football. So I don't know how God will call you or me in particular to carry this out, but it means that we start thinking of ourselves differently, even as we live here in our own community, in our own, in our own nation, in our own neighborhoods. How are we missionaries? We will need to be Jesus to those who don't yet know him. And isolating ourselves from the world and the changes in the culture is not the answer, but instead to engage with it 
and get to know and to love the mission field in which we live. Like missionaries, we need to learn the language. We'll need to build relationships of trust, demonstrate real care and compassion, and when we have opportunity and there's openness, to share the hope that is ours. We've never had to really think or strategize or be intentional about being missionaries in our own land, but that is what is required now. And if we rise to the occasion, it may actually save the church from irrelevance. This really shouldn't be new to us. What you're hearing this morning is nothing new. Scripture says that we are salt and light, that we are Christ's witnesses. We are ambassadors of God, agents of hope and healing in the world. As believers, we are all called to share the message of God's love in word and deed. Statistically, they say only about 5% of Christians actually have the gift of evangelism, but none of us are off the hook. We're all called to share and make known the good news of Christ in word and in deed. Whether or not you have that gift, you're not off the hook. And so now more than ever, we need to think of ourselves as, as missionaries. And survey says, you remember some of, some of, many of us took the uh, Pulse survey several weeks ago. Uh, we have yet to uh, roll that out to you and share it with you, but I'll share this with you. The area of evangelism, the area of witnessing or sharing our faith is the area of strongest growth for this church. In other words, it's our weakest area. It's our weakest area. Uh, it's not something that is on many of our radars. And uh, there's many reasons for that, and we'll talk more about that. But this is an area that we need to grow into. And you may be resistant to the whole idea of evangelism. Of evangelism. It may be fear of rejection. It may be that I simply don't know what to say or how to say it. It might be indifference toward those who are lost or a reluctance to make others feel uncomfortable. And uh, here's another one. No one is afraid of hell anymore. Millennials don't feel guilt the way that previous generations do. That's not, that's not a judgment on their moral character. It's just an observation. Scaring people into faith, scaring people into Christianity has never been very effective, but even less so today. Another challenge is that many of us live lives that don't look any different than our unbelieving or unchurched neighbors. And so, in some ways, we may feel like hypocrites. Or we may feel like we have nothing of real uh, substance to offer to people who are already living comfortable lives. Well, because we are a church that believes in we believe in the necessity of new birth, right? It's one of our, it's one of our distinctives. It's one of our, uh, it's one of our uh, faith. It's one of our affirmations in the covenant. We believe in the necessity of new birth. We also believe in the necessity of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that, that alone should make us pay attention to how are we doing at this. How do we grow into this? How do we become better at doing this, more effective at doing this? The only way that we will truly become a healthy missional church is if we are personally healthy, meaning each of us individually pursuing Christ, growing in relationship with Him, and becoming missional, again, individually and corporately, thinking of ourselves 
as missionaries who are pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. But how do we do that? Or what that looks like is something that we'll need to wrestle with and discern. Traditional models of outreach and evangelism may not be effective or even desirable anymore. Early in my ministry, I went knocking door to door, asking total strangers, if you were to die tonight, do you know for sure if you'd go to heaven or not? I can't imagine doing that today. In fact, we, no one's doing that anymore because it's not an effective way of, of sharing the gospel. Or standing on a street corner with a bullhorn, calling people to repent. Or handing out tracts, sharing the four spiritual laws. I don't know what it's going to look like. We're going to have to wrestle with that. But that's part of what it means to have the Holy Spirit, right? To be creative. God showing us new ways of sharing the gospel. Goodness, go play some football in China. Who knows what opportunities you'll be given. Reach out into your neighborhood. Who knows what opportunities you'll be given. So as you think about how you share or what you share, you might ask, begin with this question, what do you have as a believer in Christ? What do you have? What do you possess what is yours as a result of knowing Christ that you would want someone else to have or someone else to know? So this morning, this is our little exercise this morning, I'm going to ask you to break out in groups of six or eight in little circles right now if you would, and there's two things. Listen to the instructions. I want you each, I want you just to share in your group, what is it that you have, what is it that you possess in Christ, your spiritual blessings, that you would desire others to have as well? Okay? Simple question, right? You got it? No? One more time. Simply share what it is that you possess in Christ, what you have, your spiritual blessings in Christ, that you would want others to have who don't know Christ. Is that simple enough? Okay. And the second thing I'm going to ask is that one person, just one person in your group, share with the others how you came to faith. Briefly. How did you come to faith? Share your story briefly in that circle, okay? I'm seeing puzzled looks. <sighs> okay. So, again, just gather in groups of a half dozen or so. Share what it is, your blessings in Christ, what you want to share, what you would want to share with others if you weren't afraid, whatever, and uh, what they might not have. And then one person in your group share how you came to faith. So go ahead and split up. I don't want to uh, rush you, but hopefully uh, you're, did everybody get their story? Not everybody. We, I only asked that one person would share their story, so, so are we good? Can we continue? So uh, if I could just ask you to just sort of like popcorn some of your responses. What, what did you hear in your groups that, uh, what are the blessings in Christ that you have that you would want to share with others? What, what were some of the things that you said? Comfort. Comfort? Hope, patience. patience, hope. Forgiveness, yeah. Peace. What was that? Boldness, okay. Hope, yeah. Love, yeah. Inclusion, okay. Welcome, right. So uh, these are just some of the things, the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ that I, I think, and I'm, I'm just speaking for myself too. Uh, yeah, that's why I said I think. Um, 
that uh, we sort of take for granted the things that are ours. And, uh, and, 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 and maybe think others have those as well when they really don't, in, in many cases, may not have those things. And oftentimes it's when someone's in obviously a difficult spot uh, in life that they're most open to hearing about those things like hope and love or whatever it might be. Um, so, yeah. So uh, we're going to continue this morning with this idea that we are missionaries. And again, Scripture uses all kinds of uh, uh, terminology, if you will, that we're, uh, ident- our identity is witnesses of Christ, ambassadors of the kingdom, God's representatives, people on mission for Christ, agents of hope and healing in the world, conduits of grace, in a word, as I said, missionaries and evangelists. And, and you might not immediately identify yourself as a missionary or an evangelist. And I suspect that part of that is, one, because we haven't had to do that, even though we've been encouraged to do that over our lifetime. You maybe haven't had to do that or felt compelled to do that. The other thing is is that probably our understanding of those roles, if you will, is um, not complete. It's probably, it it, it can probably be manifested in ways that we haven't even imagined, uh, if we could just be more creative or imaginable. So I'm going to invite you to turn with the scripture, to our scripture with me this morning, and we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 5, it's on page 1122 of your pew Bible. I'm starting with verse 14, 2 Corinthians 5, starting with verse 14. Listen, and then I'm going to unpack some of this for us. Paul writes, for Christ's love compels us. Uh, Some versions actually says it controls us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, his representatives, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, be made right with God, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. just want to highlight a few things in that passage there. First of all, Paul begins by saying that Christ's love compels us. This is our, this is our focused center. This is the place from which we live and love and serve others and even witness to others. This is our highest and truest motivation, love, the love that God has for us, the love that God has for all people. This is what compels us. This is what, when, if we are in Christ, our identity is in Him, we are living in Him, this is what empowers us. This is what drives us 
to be his ambassadors in the world. And then Paul says that we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. One man died for everyone. And that puts everyone in the same boat. Jesus the Messiah came down from heaven, was made incarnate. God became one of us, one with us. Jesus put himself in our place. He included everyone in his death so that everyone might be included in his life. Jesus put himself in solidarity with us. And he stands as representative of all humanity. We share in his death that we might also share in his life. This is good news. Forgiveness, listen friends, forgiveness is already ours. Life is ours through Jesus Christ. There's nothing that anyone can do to earn it. Simply believe it and receive it as a gift. And Paul says that those who have received this will no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for us. This is the appropriate response to Christ. It changes everything, our passions, our priorities, our pursuits, our pocketbooks. We're no longer living only for ourselves, but living for the one who gave his life to give us life. And the more that we come to know this one who gave himself for us, the more that we will want to partner with him, to share in his passions, and to pursue his priorities in the world. And, by the way, also share his perspective on other people, which is why Paul then says in verse 16, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Because all are made in the divine image, because Jesus died for all and rose to give life to all, we are to regard no one from a worldly point of view. In other words, not to judge or measure others by this world's standards. We're not to evaluate people on the basis of who they are or what they have or don't have. We aren't asked to ignore differences or to squelch diversity, but to see people from God's vantage point and not our own. We get it wrong when we believe or act as though the differences that we see in others makes them less worthy of love or opportunity or compassion or respect. Listen, if we truly believed, if we truly believed that Jesus died for everyone and rose to give life to everyone, putting everyone in the same boat, wouldn't we begin to see people differently? This is good news for everyone. Why would we exclude anyone? The gospel, by its very nature, is about an ever-expanding river of grace that is sufficient for all. A church with a table that is big enough for all. That doesn't mean that we overlook or ignore uh, differences. In fact, there is value in celebrating them, not in pretending that they don't exist, but in believing that their existence makes us a better version of humanity as we live together in community, as we learn to live together in community. And Paul acknowledges that. He says we no longer regard... He says, we no longer regard people from a worldly point of view. He says, though we once regarded Christ in this way. He said, we do so no longer. We got it wrong is what Paul's saying. The religious leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes of Jesus' day, the rabbis, even the people of Israel, even Jesus' own disciples, even the apostle Paul got it wrong. They misjudged Jesus. They They did not truly understand or recognize his true identity. But now that they do, now that we do, 
now that we do, is transformed us. We have become a new creation. We are the body of Christ, and it means that we view the world and those in it differently. We've been given kingdom minds and kingdom hearts to see people not as lost but as loved, not as less than but as precious, not as broken but as beautiful, as those who have also died with Christ and are given new life. But they may not know or see or experience the reality of that new life until you demonstrate it or share it or live it in their presence. Do you understand what I'm saying? Here's what I'm saying. It is not us and them. Stop thinking like that. It is not us and them, saved and lost. Jesus gave his life for all to give life to all. Okay? It means we're all in the same boat. All are forgiven. I'll even dangerously say all are saved. But you need to let them know that. It's not about doing something. It's not about jumping through some hoops. It's not about praying a prayer. It's about people coming to know God's love and what he's already done for them in Christ. It's not about what they have to do. It's God's done the heavy lifting. He's done the heavy lifting. And it is our task, now that we know this, we get this, we are simply called to share that, to live it out, to let the world know that God loves Everyone, God died for everyone to give life to everyone. Yes, there's a point at which a person needs to come to faith, come to an understanding of that. But God's already done the heavy work. We're just simply called to share that good news, to be good news to the world in the way that we live, in the way that we interact. That they will see in us this new life. Life and more life. It's not just about being saved so that when we die we go to heaven. Show people now the life that is Christ. In the way that you live, in the way that you love. Show them now what heaven is like. Show them now what relationship with God is like. You understand what I'm saying? If we really get this, you're going to see everyone differently. People who look different than you, people who think different than you, people who believe differently than you. You're not going to ignore the differences, but you're going to recognize them as sharing in one common humanity, one common Lord who has saved us all. And so we're to carry on Christ's work in the world. And uh, Paul says that, I'll just use this, leaving my notes alone. Um, so Paul says that we have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And re the word reconciled just simply means that God made things right. He settled things between us and God. As I said, God did the heavy lifting we're the ones who messed up, right? Right? Yes, say yes. 
We're the ones who messed up. We're the ones who fell. We're the ones who rebelled. We're the ones who, who, who think that we can live independent of God. We're the ones who live foolishly and make bad choices and all of that stuff. We're the ones who resist God and fight God. And, and you know, th- I mean, that's our nature, okay? And yet God is the one who pursued us. He wooed us. He came after us. God is the first missionary, okay? Who came pursuing us, looking for us, wooing us, calling us, inviting us. And then ultimately, the amazing story is that God became one of us. Came right into our world, moved into our neighborhood. Moved into our world, became one of us so that we might know. So that we might know. And, and, and Jesus, as God's representative, as God's ambassador, revealed who the Father really is. And yeah. he revealed the Father and, and shared the Father with us. And then, and then Paul goes on to say that this ministry of reconciliation has been committed to us. This work of this work of bringing people, connecting people with God, this work of connecting people with each other, of bringing about reconciliation wherever there's brokenness and divides, of, of <laughs> building bridges, removing barriers, uh, mending instead of tearing. I mean, that's, that's our job as followers of Christ. And and. Those who get this, those who, are, those who are ambassadors of God, who are missionaries uh, you know, uh, uh, in the world for Christ, we are not going to be found where there is strife, where there um, uh, are partisan divides, where there are cultural battles. We are going to be fine. We are going to be found where there are difficult circumstances and situations, and, and there we are going to be creative and, and humble and, and prayerful and pursuing and loving and caring for people. It's our job to show the world God. It's our job to show the world who Jesus is in the same way that Jesus showed us who the Father is. It's why we've been focusing on identity this whole summer. If you don't know yourself, if you don't know God, ah, Listen, friend, here's the concern that I have, that we think that we're missionaries, that we think we're these ambassadors, and we get it all wrong. I mean, think about the people of Jesus' day. The Pharisees, the scribes, the rabbis, the church leaders, did they not think that they were representing God? Were they not God's ambassadors? And they were doing a lousy job. You remember what Jesus said? God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. I don't want us to fall into that same trap. Or how about this one? Jesus said, you travel great distances to win one convert, and then you make them twice the son of hell that you are. I know Jesus said that a long time ago, and yes, he said it to the Pharisees and and, and the religious leaders of his day, but doggone it, friends, religious people keep falling into the same ruts. We do. And so God forbid that that Jesus would say anything like that to us or have to. 
to say, do you have any idea the, the way you're representing God? The damage you're doing to God's name by the way you act, the way you behave, the way you speak? Do you have any idea the damage you're doing? And, and think about this, the people that you do reach out to, the people that you are discipling or mentoring or coming alongside or hoping to win to Christ, what kind of fruit is that bearing? Is it bearing good fruit? Because you don't want to... <laughs> I don't want Jesus to say, you've made someone twice the son of hell that you are. I just don't want that. That scares me. Which is why, going right back to the very beginning, to what it is that God has done for us in Christ, I have to stay connected to Christ. We have to stay connected to Christ. We must, our mission statement can't be just words on a wall. We must know Christ so that we can represent him well to the world, well and rightly. Okay? Because God, Jesus revealed a God, a God who possesses all knowledge and all truth, but who also is full of wisdom and above all love. And at the end of the day, friends, and I'm, I'll just close with this, at the end of the day, it goes back to the beginning of our text, Christ's love compels us. At the end of the day, if we if our message, if our lives, if our ministries, if what we are about is not communicating in some way this God of love to a wounded and wounding world, we are missing the boat. We are missing the boat. So it behooves us to draw near to Christ. I can't do this on my own. You can't do this on your own. But we need the mind of Christ. We need the heart of God for the world around us that God loves in the same way that he loves you. Okay? So where do you start? Start with, start with prayer. Okay? Start with prayer. Pray for your neighbors. Get to know the neighbors around you. You don't have to go to China. If you want to, if you have the chance, that's great or Sweden, or Korea, or Africa. But God, you ever wondered why God put you in the neighborhood that you're in, the house that you're in, the neighbors who are around you? You are God's ambassador. You are God's representative. You are Jesus to your neighbors. And I challenge you to see Jesus in your neighbors. Okay? So um, this morning, when we, when we close, uh, your assignment going away this morning, one of your assignments, is in the back. There are, well, you got it in your bullet, or you were, you were given this morning that sheet with your, to be praying for your neighbor. This is what we're asking you to do. Everything, mission, evangelism, work, being ambassadors, it's all going to begin with prayer. And when you're praying for your neighbors, those around you, God's going to give you a heart for them as well. And I believe, pray as well, that God puts uh, people across your path and then gives you the words or the wisdom to know how to speak into their lives. So um, after, when you leave this morning, we're asking you to just go in the back. There are four boards according to your neighborhoods or communities. And just put a dot 
where you live or roughly where you live. Uh, kids can put dots where their schools are because um, you're, you're missionaries, you're God's representatives in your schools, wherever, wherever you are. Uh, I guess if you're homeschooled, that means you've got to save your brother or your sister, so, which isn't so bad. So, all right, let me close with prayer. God, we come before you this morning giving you thanks and praise for the ways that you have pursued us, for the ways that you have loved us, for the ways, God, that you have moved toward us and acted in our, on our behalf. Uh, thank you, God, for sending your son, Jesus, to be our Savior. And Lord, we, we pray now for, for we who have been entrusted with this message, for we who have received this good news and benefited by it, God, make us good ambassadors. Make us good representatives of your kingdom, your kingdom of love, as we go into the world. And give us... Give us eyes to see, God, ears to hear, and, and hearts to love the people around us, and the wisdom and the guidance of your Spirit to know how to love well, how to speak into people's lives, how to care for them, how to come alongside them, how to respect them. And God, help us simply to listen as well to their stories. Help us to, help us to be good missionaries, Lord, to learn the language, to learn the culture, to learn to love the people that we've been called to serve. We pray all this through Christ who loved us. Amen.